Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. If I can help you with your music career, whether that's becoming a client or just simply a private one-on-one online video consultation, by all means, let me know. I have been doing so for artists across the U.S. since 2004 and would love to help you as well. Get in touch through the email address podcast at nhte.net which, by the way, is also where you can write to with comments about the show. I'm always eager to hear from listeners with any feedback that you have. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest has been Carrie Underwood's guitar player for the last 14 years. He has also performed with the likes of Keith Urban, Kenny Loggins, and Jamie O'Neill. He also plays dobro and pedal steel and is a producer as well. At one point, he had formed an acoustic country-slash-bluegrass band that signed a deal with RCA Records and released a single that reached number 25 on Billboard's country music chart. He authored a book called 25 Notes for the Successful Musician and two years ago released an intro course into the careers of music. He has also been an adjunct professor at Belmont University. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Chad Jeffers. Hey, Bruce. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on here, Bruce. I really appreciate it. Chad, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as the audience just heard from that hearty intro, there's a lot to dive into here. (laughs) Something that I did not mention in there, and this will be good for those in the audience who are just being introduced to you, is the fact that at the age of eight, you were playing drums in a band with your brother and your dad? Yes, that's correct. Um, my dad was a singer-songwriter. My late father was a singer-songwriter. And so at an early age, whenever he would pick up his, uh, you know, 63 Gibson Dove and start playing, I was trying to find anything in the house to beat on to <laughs> be a drummer right there behind him, um, to his chagrin, <laughs> I think. But uh, finally, uh, you know, he talked with my mom. He said, I, he said let's, let's get him a drum kit. And my brother, who's a little bit older than me, he was already playing piano and uh, picking up the bass guitar and different things. And so um, my dad had this gig coming up, this this performance that uh, he was asked to do. He, he played a lot regionally in East Tennessee where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so um, this one particular uh, event was for the Rainbow Girls, which is a junior league of the Eastern Star, which is like a women's um, kind of group. And so it was 1,500 rainbow girls, uh, ages from 13 to 18. Oh, wow. I was eight. My brother was around 11. So you kind of see where the story is going here. <laughs> we were the last ones on this particular program that they had. And it was in a place called Freedom Hall. So, I mean, this is a legitimate arena uh, where, you know, where all the, the big acts would come in and uh, perform mm. in, in our area. Uh, but it's Freedom Hall in Johnson City. And, um, so my brother and I, we backed my dad, the last you know people on the, the program. And when we finished, all these girls came from the bleachers and just started chasing my brother and me. <laughs> and so we literally, it was like the Beatles, you know, wow. we were just running from them, scared to death. And we ran into the dressing room and we both looked at each other and we're like, 
what 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 is going on and then we said all right well whatever that is that's what i want to do for the rest of my life Uh. (laughs) and it was a defining moment for both of us and fortunately our our parents were very nurturing in in our music and they uh you know then that's when our little family band uh with you know my brother and my dad and then we eventually got um, one of our neighborhood kids um who eventually actually started playing drums and then I that's when I switched to guitars. Okay. But the funny little side note to this is um my brother's also a professional musician, as is that the drummer that was um uh, that started playing with us. Wow. And he actually has gone on to produce um, you know, the likes of Pink and toured with Beck and mm. was on the Shrek albums and and for, you know, um a couple of years ago there was a an Expedia commercial Expedia dot com uh-huh. Well, that was him, and uh, wow. so he's made a name for himself. And recently, he's been uh, doing all the music for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Nickelodeon. So crazy! It's a uh, it's amazing that my dad really nurtured us and brought us up into music. And uh, yeah, that that was a that was a special moment for us. Crazy! And who is this that you're talking about? Uh, the drummer is Matt Mahaffey. And so he was yeah, just a friend in the neighborhood. He was. Wow. So he'd ride a skateboard over to our house, <laughs> and um, and then we just started playing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, folks, Chad is someone who, as we will hear, spends a lot of time in the recording studio, which means that he obviously knows the value of having professional quality audio. I, too, am very committed to that, which is why I love having gotten introduced to the folks at Centrance, like the word entrance with a C at the beginning, and the unit that I have from them for my audio interface Actually, it also doubles as my portable handheld recorder, but if you are an aspiring musician or podcaster and want to ensure that your audience, your fans, your followers, your listeners hear pro audio with every project that you produce, the mixer face is the investment you want to make and you won't have to rebuy. Professional quality preamps, an all-metal enclosure, real buttons, real physical switches, real physical knobs. There's not menu after menu after menu or a screen that you can't see in daylight. And with the combi jacks, you can switch between microphone or instrument, both on input one and input two. For my listeners, they have a special offer. Not only is there free U.S. shipping, but when you go to my show website, nhte.net, and click on the Mixer Face ad, and by the way, that's going to be in the right-hand column on desktop or on mobile, scroll way, way down. Click on the Mixer Face ad to go over to buy direct from Centrance. When you put in the code BRUCE, they will give you a free watertight accessory case to carry it in. Chad, you were talking about the band that you played in with your brother and your dad when you were a kid, but fast forward ahead to your college years and you double majored in music business and marketing at Belmont University. Share with the audience about the fantastic opportunity you had doing an internship during that time. Yeah, so one step back. So whenever I was uh, started at Belmont, um, you know, my, my dad, you know, once again, he was, you know, helped nurturing us in terms of music. And one of the things I, I thought, you know, I need to get a job, like a, just a regular, just something while I'm going to school, get a job. So I went and worked at, my dad said, well, if you're in country music, and, and obviously he taught me a lot about the history of country music, he said, why not just go and get a job over at the Country Music Hall of Fame? Mm. And so I actually got paid to learn more about the, the deep music history of, of country music. Wow. And it was awesome. 
Wow. And um, so I did that for my first two years at Belmont. And then uh, just through a couple of friends, I got noticed that um, Reba was opening up a new building on Music Row, which Music Row is the area where, um, you know, especially uh, just until a couple of years ago where everything happened. You have your publishing, you have your artist management, you have your studios, you have uh, like everything there is that you need as an artist um, is right there just in a couple of streets that is called Music Row. And Reba opened up a new building there um, and her, the name of her company is called Starstruck. And um, I went and interviewed for the position and, and got it as the official executive um mailroom clerk <laughs> so i like to build that name up i was just a mail guy and it was incredible great experience talking about a networking you know you always hear the you know the ceo he started in the mailroom and worked his way up yeah well it was very similar to that except you know i'm in the music business so i you know going to the top would be like being an artist manager which is not on the, the trajectory that i wanted to go on however um i did become good friends with some of the best publicists in the business, some of the best studio engineers. Um, within this one building, she had pretty much everything that she needed in her career. So she had um, the management, the publicity, publishing uh, studio, TV studios, um, everything was there. And so wow. as a mailroom clerk, I saw these people every day. And so mm -hmm. I got to know them very well. And as a matter of fact, I just, you know, a couple of days ago, I just spoke with her, um, her publicist, who was her, her publicist for 20 or 30 years. And I still, uh, to this day, see these people in a different environment, obviously, yeah. not being the mailroom clerk. But, but what's really important with this is that they, um, they feel like they have a little bit of ownership of my career because they, they mentored me through a lot of things mm. and getting my first gig. And, and so whenever they see me now, it's not, hey, there's this chat of the, the mailroom clerk guy. It's like, oh no, there's Chad, and and I've helped him in his career, and so yeah. I've always made it a point to have good mentors in my life, and definitely working at Starstruck was a big stepping stone for that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, even though this lasted for only two years, I'm going to ask you about a band that you joined shortly after graduating from college, merely because I want the audience, particularly those who are aspiring musicians to hear how opportunities come to be in the music world. You were hired to be the dobro and acoustic guitar player for a Canadian country act. So how do they find someone that's all the way down in Nashville? Well, they they had moved to Nashville to get a record deal. Mm. And so they had come down here to, you know, get in the, you know, become a, a, fabric, a piece of the fabric of this community, which mm -hmm. is so important to do. And, um, the, how I got the gig is back in college, we had a, a college band, just me and a bunch of buddies, and we were trying to get a record deal. So we had a couple of guys, um, Matt Rawlings and uh, Kenny Greenberg, who are two very notable musicians. Matt Rawlings is now producing like the Willie Nelson stuff, and he, he's just a fantastic musician and producer. But he, both of those guys were taking us to different labels and to also different publishing companies to get a buzz going about our band one of these publishing companies that we played at um little did i know that there was a producer in that room named doug johnson and doug was actually producing the wilkinson's which is the canadian band that you're referring to mm -hmm. um and so about a month before i was graduating college uh, the band basically fell apart we did not get a record deal 
So we, you know, all of us just kind of went our, our own ways and everything. And I was thinking, okay, I'm graduating here soon. I have nothing. And then I get a phone call from a large uh, artist management company called Fitzgerald Hartley here in Nashville. And the, the manager said, hey, I'm managing this, this band called The Wilkinson. And they're looking for a dobro acoustic player. And Doug Johnson, their producer, heard you play. And he said, you're the guy. So mm. um, can you can you hop on with this? And that was that was it. I'm, and, and my first question is, well, hey, do you want to hear me play? Do you want to hear anything that I've done? He goes, no. Because Doug Johnson says, you're the guy, so you're the guy. Mm. And it was amazing because then we started – um, you know, they started putting their, their tour band together. They had a, a song called 26 Cent that was just racing up the chart. And then they got on the Alan Jackson tour. And so they were putting together a band for that. I see. Um, in the meantime, they had a one-off gig that, uh, that they had. And since I'd been with them for, you know, a couple of months, the manager said, Hey, why don't you go up? Cause the band wasn't ready yet, but it'd just be me and the the three is a trio so it would just be me and the Wilkes and so he said why don't you go do this gig with them they're opening up for Tim McGraw mm. um, why don't you just hop on the bus and go with them and I said well sure let's do that <laughs> and would you believe Bruce that the very first kind of quote unquote professional gig or, or performance with the Wilkes you know that was my very first one was in hold your breath Freedom Hall in Johnson oh, City, Tennessee, that same place that I was when I was eight years old. Oh my just gosh! Just by chance, of all the places, that was the place where um, that my my first gig started as a professional musician. Wow! Wow! Well, and that's the way that things go in the music world, and it's not unlike you saying, "Here, this guy gives the call and says, no, we don't need to hear you play.' You know." you've already been vouched for is, is essentially what he was saying. And so for those of you out there listening in the audience who are aspiring performers, you hear it over and over and over the old, you never know who might be in the audience expression, but you also never know when something like that is going to play itself out sometime down the road. I wish I could remember, but over 400 plus episodes, I I've lost sight of who this was, but I remember there was someone on this show one time that told me, about somebody that came back to them two years, two years after an audition and remembered them and they had made that much of an impression that it's just now there was an opportunity. At that point, there wasn't. And for whatever reason, it wasn't a fit at the time of the audition. So for the audience, there's great lessons to be learned from people like Chad and the others that you hear on the show and these things that sound like kind of one in a, once in a lifetime, one in a million, and they're not. And Chad can attest to the fact that this happens all the time in Nashville. And similarly, Chad, you started to mention this. I, I want to go back. I had alluded to it in the intro about a band that you formed that signed a deal with RCA Records. How did that group come together in the first place? And then how frustrating was it to get dropped from the label despite a loyal fan base, despite a song that hit number 25 on the Billboard chart? Because nowadays, everything has changed so much. And I think that artists realize that ah, chasing after that big record deal isn't what it used to be. But I still think it's important to hear that these also, unfortunately, <laughs> on the flip side of what I just said, are other things that go on in the business that you need to be aware of. Because this was a band, like I said, that had a loyal fan base. Y'all had a song that was number 25 on Billboard charts, and RCA Records doesn't pick you up for a second album. Right. Uh, so it starts back in the Belmont days again. Um, I... 
just kind of as an odd job. Um, I, I heard that this particular management company was looking for someone to hand out eight by tens at what at the time was called Fanfare, which is now TMA Music Fest. Happens every year here in Nashville where country music uh, artists are able to really engage with, with the fans. Um, this particular manager was the manager for Allison Krauss. And just through, just basically, I got I got paid 50 bucks to hand out eight by tens for like three hours. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the job as a college student, you know, and like that's that's big money. Yeah. And so, you know, as as he and I just would, you know, from time to time he would need an extra set of hands, so he'd give me a shout and say, "Hey, can you help us out with this other event?" And so he mentioned to me, he said, "Hey, so you said that you play dobro or, or slide guitar?" And I said, "Yes, I do." And he said. A buddy of mine is doing a writer's night, a songwriter's night at the Bluebird Cafe. And he said that he was looking for one. I've never even heard you play, but would you mind just giving him a call? And hmm. and I said, well, sure. And so um, <laughs> and it, that turned out to be actually the lead singer for the band that I was, that we, he and I put together called Ten Monkey. Okay. Um, by the way, everyone always laughs at the name Ten Monkey. And so a Ten Monkey was the guy that set up the bowling pin before the days of automation. <laughs> and so... Homer on the Simpsons wanted to quit his job at the nuclear plant and become a pin monkey. <laughs> and so it just, we had a quirky name and we, cause we were just playing for the fun of it. And eventually, uh, that's when labels actually started coming to us and we, uh, got signed to RCA. We did, uh, while, while we were getting signed to RCA, we already had an independent album that we were recording in my parents' bonus room, actually. Hmm. Um, my dad had bought a bunch of gear for his own, you know, just to do like a singer songwriter style album that I produced for him. And then whenever we finished with that, I said, Hey, do you mind if, you know, if, if me and the pin monkey guys, which by the way, my brother was also part of pin monkey, uh, who was in the our family okay. band. Okay. You know, I said, do you mind if we just do some recording? And, and of course he's like, Oh, use it, use it all, all you want. And so we actually did a whole album, uh, in the bonus room and uh, mm. is on a, a Roland DS-1680 for those who remember those. <laughs> Hard disk recording, but not necessarily like computer software. And we did our, uh, our basically our independent album while we were making our RCA big budget, you know, in the studio okay. with, you know, a hit producer, Paul Worley and everything. So we were uh, doing kind of two albums at once there for a, a little while. Mm. And so, yeah, then Barbar and Roses, was a song that was released and it was gaining some traction. And then we, uh, we went another song called I drove all night. And as soon as we released it, Celine Dion also released the same song, which was kind of crazy. Um, because it was an older Cindy Lauper song that we uh. had revamped. And, and so, um, and then RCA wanted us to make another album. So we went in and we started recording different, um, songs, but with a different producer, a guy named Mark Bright, which comes into my career a little bit later on. And so, um, in the making of that, the second, basically RCA album is when they called and they said, you know, we're not moving forward with the, the, the song that we had going on and we're not moving forward with the project mm. in general. So just like that, we were dropped and we, you know, of course we were bummed, but we were like, all right, well, what's next and, uh. and you know a lot of times whenever something bad happens it's not 
oh, let's just, you know, wallow in this. It's like, okay, what, what does this make possible for us? Wow, I love that. And so we were like, hey, look, we've already made an independent album. We know how to make an album. And I was producing most of that. And our manager called Mark Bright, big hit producer, produced all the Rascal Flat stuff and some Reva stuff. And so he told Mark and said, hey, the guys just got dropped from RCA, but they want to do another album. And Mark said, well, let's do it. I'm in, all in. Mm. And so we went in and made another independent album with Mark Bright. Much of it recorded um, in my own home studio. <laughs> and Mark and I, that's when we uh, become really good friends. And because he would do, um, he'd be recording Rascal Flats during the day and then come over to my house at, the ni- wow. at night. And then we'd wow. work on 10 Monkey stuff. That's fantastic. I love the life gives you lemons make lemonade because you're right. The natural reaction would be for people to wallow in despair and hang their head and, you know, why me and all that stuff. And instead, y'all seize the moment and, and turned it into everything that you just described. So that's terrific. And, you know, it's also part of your story. We all know the expression, everything happens for a reason. And clearly everything that we've talked about so far was taking place to put you in a position to do what I mentioned in the intro that you've been doing now since 2007. But how do you get on Carrie Underwood's radar to be asked to be her guitar player? Well, so let me back up just a little bit more. In between there, after the Pin Monkey days, um, I, while I was with Pin Monkey, I was also doing a lot of songwriting, writing all the time and mm-hmm. writing with you know, one of the fortunes that, you know, being with an, a major label is they would hook you up with hit songwriters. And one of the writers that I really connected a lot with is a guy named Wayne Kirkpatrick. Uh, Wayne Kirkpatrick is huge hit songwriter. He wrote uh, the Grammy song, uh, the Grammy award-winning song, Change the World, the Eric Clapton song. Yeah. Um, and he's also produced just so many people and, and he's just a brilliant um, musician, producer, writer. And so he and I would write a lot together, just the two of us in his studio. And then we would do a work tape, which would just be, you know, he on guitar, me on dobro, and then he would sing. And then the songs that would kind of come to the top that we thought, that's a really good song, let's put more to it. He would bring in a band um, because he was also producing Little Big Town at the time. Mm. So he'd bring in a band and then they would just add more tracks to our little work tape. Well, one of these work tapes, he wanted me to do a dobro solo at the very end of the song. He just said, man, just keep playing. And so, you know, I was just in the studio and, and I'm like, man, this is, I mean, literally like my solo was like two minutes long. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, just keep playing, just keep playing. And so then when he brought the band in, one of the guys that heard it was Keith Urban's drummer. And there's also a session player, Chris McHugh. So Chris heard it and Chris was like, who's that playing slide guitar? And Wayne said, well, that's my co-writer, Chad. And Chris was like, I just got with Keith Urban's touring band. Chris had been doing all of his, the studio stuff that he was going out on tour with Keith. They were looking for a slide player. We need that guy's information, which is how the music director from Keith Urban's band called me and said, Hey, Chris McHugh heard you play and we need a slide guy. So it looks like you're the guy. <laughs> and so I was out with Keith. Okay. While I was out with Keith, uh, we did, uh, you know, we had have different openers come you know, uh, like fairs and festivals. And on one of these shows, um, this guy, uh, the band came home and hung out with us on the bus after the show. And, you know, I was with Keith and I, I wasn't going anywhere. And but anyway, he and I, we just had a really good connection. And I just said, Hey, look, 
here's my information. If you ever need a slide player or anything, you know, uh, all the stuff you're doing, just give me a shout. And he said, sure, I will. And so I didn't hear from him for about a year and a half. And mm. then um, by then I'd already moved on from Keith and then was out with Kenny Loggins. And so he called me and he said, hey, I'm, my name's Mark. And he goes, I'm now Carrie Underwood, uh, music director. Mm. At the time I met him, he wasn't. He wasn't even with Carrie. And he just said, hey, we're looking for a slide player. And you you gave me your information, you know, like a couple of years ago. And uh, he goes, we, we, we'd love to have you. And I was actually walking into a writing session um, there wow. on Music Row. And I just, uh, he said, can you meet with management this afternoon? Wow. And I said, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm dressed in jeans and a T-shirt. And I just got my acoustic. I don't have a slide guitar. And he goes, no. He goes, they, they just want to just talk to you. He goes, they already know what you can do. Mm. And so literally I, I met with them for about 45 minutes and here we are 14 years later. Wow. Wow. In fact, one thing with Carrie that's really interesting, um, and I think this is important for anyone who wants to be a professional musician, um, we are there to support the artist and that's what they hire us for. We're, as a professional musician, you are in the service business. You're there to help the artist, whatever they need, you're there to help facilitate that. Um, when they first hired me with Carrie, they just, they just said, we just need a slide guitar player. But on a lot of her recordings, she had pedal still. And so I went to the music director, Mark, that I was just talking about. And I just said, hey, do you mind if I just get a pedal still and kind of learn it? And he just laughed because, as most people know, pedal still is one of the hardest instruments to learn. And But sure enough, I got a pedal still. Um, I had a couple of good um, friends kind of show me the, the ropes of it. And literally a month later, I'm playing it on the Grand Ole Opry. Mm. But back to the being a service person, you know, being there for the artist. Um, a couple of years ago, we did a tour called the Storyteller Tour. And there was a part where um, our music director, Mark, called me and said, hey, do you play harmonica? And of course, you know, shaking my head, I'm going, <laughs> yeah, uh, what do you need? <laughs> like, how much of a harmonica part do you need? And and so he said, I, he goes, honestly, I haven't really heard the track yet, but he said, you know, we, we just need something. And so I pretty much just learned harmonica for, you know, this little part that we had. And it actually turned into be one of my most favorite parts of the show mm. because it was Carrie. She also played a little bit of harmonica. So it was a dueling harmonica back and forth with us in the middle of the stage. And uh, it was just such a magical moment. Yeah. Um, and then in 2019, we did the Crop Pretty Tour. So uh, once again, our music director sends out a text to everybody in the band saying, hey, I know this is a long shot, but does anybody play saxophone? <laughs> and of course I kind of sheepishly like raise my hand, you know, and I said, well, I sort of play saxophone. He's like, how do you sort of play sax? <laughs> I said, well, like literally, you know, 25 years or 20 years ago, um, I actually had a scholarship for a couple of universities to go play sax, but I didn't want to play saxophone because I wanted to play guitar. Mm. So I pretty much shelved it. But I said, you know, let me get a saxophone. Let me see what I can do. And for crazy reasons, it, it just came back like riding a bicycle. So mm. for the Cry Pretty Tour, um, I played a, a saxophone on a song called Drinking Alone, which actually that same year we played on the CMA Awards. And I just thought, how crazy is this that, you know, and of course my, you know, my, my mom and 
you know, she's like clapping her hands because all those saxophone lessons finally paid <laughs> off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by musician and producer Chad Jeffers. Visit his official website at chadjeffers.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, you will see icons, logos, all the way down at the bottom for Chad's accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So do make sure you go follow him there. He is also a speaker, so if you're interested in booking him to come be a part of your event, get in touch through the Book Chad page on his website. His book, called 25 Notes for the Successful Musician, The Ultimate Guide to Making It in the Music Industry, is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, or audiobook format. Meanwhile, a couple weeks ago for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I ran a special on my interview tips course that you always hear me talking about. Since it's now expired, if you did not see the discount that I promoted in the weekly e-newsletter or on social media... As a thank you for listening to this show, I'm going to make a special offer right now. Just email me via podcast at nhte.net and let me know you heard this interview with Chad Jeffers, and I will give you $25 off that course. This could even be a good Christmas gift idea for you. It's an on-demand, go-at-your-own-pace format that has videos and corresponding PDF downloads all aimed at helping you get better results out of being interviewed on TV, radio, podcasts, etc. So if you're a musician, a comedian, an actor, an entrepreneur, a business coach, life coach, an inventor, basically if you're someone who gets interviewed, this is geared towards helping you come away with more sales, more bookings, more downloads from those interviews you're doing. I even have a module in the course that provides more than 15 sources you can use to find more interviews. You'll find it at interviewtipscourse.com, but again, email me through podcast at nhte.net and tell me that you heard my interview with chad jeffers and that you would like the coupon code to get 25 dollars off the course i'm going to make that available through december 31st the chad you talked about keith urban and carrie underwood someone who i mentioned back in the intro that i have been a fan of for years and years is kenny loggins and you have played with him too tell us about that including rehearsing with him for the first time <laughs> so this I, I got a phone call and it was from a California number and uh, one of my good friends I went to school with at Belmont he also lives in California he and I always prank each other we're, we've, we've always been doing that and especially whenever someone doesn't answer the phone we're like hey this is Paul McCartney I was going to ask you to be in my band but I guess you're too busy you know I mean we always just just you know uh, joke with, we, with the, each other and so um, I get this phone call from a California number, something, and it's him. His name's Danny. Hey, Danny, if you're listening. So he loves this story. <laughs> so Danny, I'm thinking, Danny's calling me. So I answer the phone, and it's like, hey, I'm uh, looking for uh, uh, Chad Jeffers. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, this is Kenny, Kenny Loggins. I'm like, Danny. He goes, no, no, it's Kenny, Kenny Loggins. And I'm like, Danny? <laughs> and then I heard kind of the, the timbre of his voice. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Kenny Loggins. <laughs> He's calling me personally. And he said, uh, hey, he goes, I know that you toured with Chris Rodriguez with Keith Urban. And, you know, Chris has been playing with, with uh, Kenny for, you know, since the 80s. 
And, you know, Kenny said, I mentioned him, and I needed this slide guitar player. And Chris said, look no further than Chad. You need to call him right now. Wow. He said, but here I am calling you. Um, can you be in, in L.A. Uh, in a month and you know, do rehearsals with us? And I was just like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they sent me the music, and they sent me a set list of about, I don't know, 25 or 30 songs with priority. You know, like, hey, just learn it just straight down. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, you know, this is, you know, a new album that he had that had a lot of slide guitar. And then of course you got to learn, you know, his catalog of music, yeah. which is extensive. Um, and, and also there's different versions to each of the songs cause he's, he's been playing them for decades. But, um, so I get to rehearsal, um, we're in Burbank, California and, um, basically he has the whole band set up in somewhat of a horseshoe in terms of you know, just the band. And then he's in the middle facing okay. everybody. Uh-huh. And then he put me right in front of him. <laughs> and so I felt like I was in the hot seat, <laughs> <laughs> the hot seat of a lifetime here. And, and I've always heard stories about just how good Kenny's ears are, that he hears everything, you know, musically. And he knows the parts because, you know, he's, he, he produced a lot of his own music and, so I learned everything note by note meticulously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to make sure it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And so when he went to the set list, he goes, all right, let's, um, uh, let's see here. I don't know. Let's learn around song 21. Wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, you better learn these in order. Yeah. I didn't say that, but I was yeah. thinking that. And so we played through the song and, um, after the song finished, there was that awkward, silence like nobody making a sound nobody talking and kenny just kind of thinking you know and kind of looking into space and he said all right let's do it again Hmm. but now i'm thinking all right am i like way off course or is it is it really good and so after that he just looked at me and said that's perfect Hmm. i'm like wow that's amazing and so we played a couple more songs and i'm playing every you know all the parts note for note and then he just looked at me and said, look, he goes, I can tell you, you, you definitely did your homework and you know all this. Mm. So just now you play the way you would play all of this. Wow. So pretty much full, just create, yeah, creative, um, you know, musically creative um, License. You know, areas for me just to do my own thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it was so much fun. Mm. Uh, we only, it was only one tour that he, that he was touring with this album and it, it was such a good time. Um, I learned so much from him and, and just, and, and to this day, sometimes he'll still come back to Nashville and he's hired me as his session leader and I'll pull uh-huh. everybody in and, and, um, you know, we do some recording and it, it's just so great. It's Fantastic. such a great guy. And still at his age, he's just, he's a great entertainer, great singer. You know, he still, he still has it. So fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. Well, so now that we've heard about some of these superstars that you've played with, Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban, Kenny Loggins, what about all the places that music has taken you to? My gosh, Japan, Singapore, Australia, Iraq, Afghanistan, Turkey, Germany, and even someplace really fascinating that you slept. Yeah. So, um, there was a, a one off that a manager called me and he said, Hey, listen, I need you to just do this one show because I promise you've never been to this place. <laughs> well, you got me intrigued now. And it was a, a little trio uh, called Shadaisy that uh, he wanted me to, to play, perform with. And so 
we basically, um, I was out with Tim Monkey doing a radio tour, and so we had a couple of days off, and so I was able to work this in just kind of magically. Um, I flew to San Diego, and from San Diego, we um, got on a military, uh, the C-2 COD airplane. Uh, they call it, some, I think they call it the banana plane or the, um, the, the cargo plane. And so we flew about 400 miles out, and then we landed on the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier, and it was coming in for the home porting. So it was built in, uh, I guess, Norfolk, Virginia. And then they did a trial run around the, the Horn of South America. And then they were coming into the home porting there in San Diego. So Nancy Reagan was on board. Hmm. Tom Selleck, for I guess whatever reason, Tom Selleck <laughs> was on board. And of course, all the news junket or news outlets and everything were on there. And so we, uh, landed on the USS Ronald Reagan and then we performed for the troops and then we uh, came into the home porting and it was a quite the quite the event it was a lot of fun mm. wow another really interesting place that I played um, and I've actually I've done two of these tours is the USO tour uh, in the Middle East and so the first one I did was I believe in 2006 and that was with Janie O'Neill a country artist yeah and we flew over uh, to Turkey, and we were based out of Inverlik, Turkey, but then we flew into Afghanistan and to Bagram, and then we also flew into Iraq, and we actually spent the night in uh, one of Saddam's palaces hmm. there in Baghdad. Um, and then a couple of years later, I get a phone call from the same management company, and they had another artist going over to do a, a USO tour, and they said, would you mind doing it? And this is actually at the tail end of Kenny Loggins, right before Carrie, I was able to squeeze it in. And uh, so on that one, we all, we stayed um, just in that, we flew into Kuwait and then we just stayed in um, Iraq the whole time flying just the different um, uh, fob and, and playing in for all the different troops. And what a spectacular um, experience that was. And I've never been in, in the, the, the military, but that was definitely one way that I wanted to get back to um, our servicemen and women is to, you know, bring a a little slice of home to them (laughs) with some uh, country music. Wow. Wow. Some memories for you for sure, though. And folks, we have to move on, but rest assured, Chad has had a lot of other cool opportunities in terms of getting to perform like almost every award show, New Year's Eve in Times Square in New York City, the Clive Davis pre-Grammy party, the list goes on. But let's shift over, Chad, to some other projects of yours. Back when I was giving out your website address and social media, I also mentioned your book, which is called 25 Notes for the Successful Musician, The Ultimate Guide to Making It in the Music Industry, which, by the way, folks, don't think that because it's 25 notes that it's like a pamphlet. This thing is 106 pages long. But anyhow, Chad, tell the audience about that book. Yeah, so... A lot of people say, how did you get a gig with Keith Urban or Kenny Loggins or Carrie Underwood? And how'd you get signed to a major label? And, and, um, a, a good friend of mine, Dan Miller, who's a, a New York bestselling author and everything. He said, why don't you just put all this in a book? He goes, my goodness, of all the experiences you've had and just, why don't you just start making notes on it? And, um, and that, that stuck with me. So while I would be on tour, I would just start just writing down you know, smart things that people did or stupid stuff people did. Usually that was <laughs> me doing the stupid stuff, you know, and I'm like, you know, lessons learned. And, um, and then I put it into a book and from that came a whole speaking career. So I, I went and would, you know, uh, still do speak at colleges and universities and, 
um, media institutes, different things of that nature. Um, and it, it's just been so great. And it's so amazing that uh, you know, people that come up to me, professional musicians, just one particular guy uh, who played with Florida Georgia Line, uh, he told me, he said, man, he goes, I literally had my car packed. And on the way out, I stopped, stopped at a bookstore and I saw your book. He said, you know, what the heck? I'll just get this. And he said, I read it cover to cover. And he said, okay, I'm not leaving town. Wow. I'm going to give this one more shot. Wow. And then that soon after that is when he got his, his gig with Florida Georgia line. Mm. So I'm like, wow, that's that, that, those stories really touch me. And that's, yeah. that's what makes me want to, uh, you know, just share more of the knowledge that the, the things that I've learned in my career and to help other people come up through, um, you know, through the music business. No doubt. No doubt. That's powerful. That's powerful. And back in the intro, I had also mentioned that two years ago you released backstage notes, which is an intro course into the careers of music. Talk about that project, including, by the way, how slash where can people purchase that? Yeah, so Backstage Notes came from me basically uh, through a string of events. Belmont University called me and they said, hey, we know that you're not on the road with Carrie right now because it was one of the off years that she has. And they said, we need a professor. Can you come be a professor here at Belmont. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, what a call, man. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And so actually I've, I've taught um, a class on technology impact in the music industry. And then they wanted me to create my own class. Basically it's um, a music business etiquette or a music business culture in Nashville. And so the do's and don'ts, um, you know, the, the things that you, um, you know, just, kind of tid, tidbits of helping you be in this, this town because there's definitely a different culture mm-hmm. here. And so from that is, you know, I thought I, you know, cause whenever I'm teaching after the class is done, it, it's done. And so I wanted to do something where it could be um, lasting. So what I did is created backstage notes, which, which is a lot of what I taught at Belmont. And then I also interviewed some of my good friends that, that have been hugely successful in the business and I did all different categories. So uh, Rick Barker, who used to be Taylor Swift's manager, uh, Brett Teagarden, who's a Grammy award-winning engineer, um, Rachel Thibodeau, who's a hit songwriter, you know, on down the list, like all these guys are, are still in the business doing it. And I wanted to, to interview them and really get the, the brass tacks of like, tell me more tactical things, not, you know, esoteric or very, theoretical thing. Yeah, Tell me, yeah. like, what did you do when you moved to town that really helped move the needle for you in terms of you know, either getting more gigs or getting more songwriting um, sessions and different things like that. So that's where, that that's how the Backstage Notes was birthed. And you can go to backstagenotes.com and um, and it, it's a, a course that you can uh, take on, you know, at your own leisure. And, okay. uh, and I've gotten a lot of just amazing response from that. Just people they it's really it's been fun to see that okay um, as well as being a professor it's yeah. really it's really strange whenever i'm at like an award show or or doing a, a festival and someone behind me says professor jeffers professor <laughs> jeffers <laughs> <laughs> and my bandmates are looking at me like what <laughs> they're like huh professor and then someone says no actually he really does teach at belmont <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, before we wrap up, I definitely want to hear about all the work that you do as a producer, including, by the way, whether performers who are listening can use the Book Chad page on your website to get in touch 
to see about possibly having you produce them or if maybe you work, say, on just a referral-only basis. So talk about all the work that you do as a producer. As a producer, well, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I produced a lot of my uh, stuff in college and then also my dad's project and then also Pin Monkey. So if you want to check out anything in terms of producing-wise, just go to Apple Music or wherever you, you find your, your music and type in Pin Monkey, P-I-N-M-O-N-K-E-Y. And um, because I produced uh, or co-produced all of that, as well as um, a, a guy named Mark Leach, L-E-A-C-H. Um, those are the, the two main acts that I, I produce. And then, of course, I do a lot of demo work uh, producing that for different different artists and songwriters. And so, yeah, you can go and and uh, I would love to create a dialogue and, and go to you know book Chad and just put in there that you heard this on the, the podcast here and, and would love to be in touch with you, as okay. well as uh, speaking dates as well. Okay, okay, awesome. And again, the band he's saying is Pin Monkey, like a rolling pin or a bowling pin. So it's P-I-N, P as in Peter, Pin Monkey. So, Chad, uh, this has been fantastic, and I really appreciate all the time and, and the great insights that you shared, the entertaining stories that you gave to us on this episode, and thank you so much for making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to multi-instrumentalist and producer Chad Jeffers. Do visit his official website at chadjeffers.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, scroll down to the bottom to access the logos for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I followed him myself this morning on all three of those, and I'm sure he would appreciate you doing the same. For that matter, tell Chad you heard about him on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that on his website, there is a Book Chad page for anyone who's interested in having him be a guest speaker, or as you just heard him say, if you want to contact him to start a dialogue about possibly using him as a producer. I also encourage you to go on Amazon for either the paperback, Kindle, or audiobook version of 25 Notes for the Successful Musician, The Ultimate Guide to Making It in the Music Industry, which is Chad's book that you heard him talk about. You also heard him tell you about Backstage Notes, which is an intro course into the careers of music. Again, it's as simple as just going to backstagenotes.com to check that out. And to repeat the offer that I made earlier in this episode... I am going to offer you $25 off the online on-demand class that I have at interviewtipscourse.com just for emailing me and saying that you heard my interview with Chad Jeffers and that you would like the coupon code to take advantage of that. It's in a go-at-your-own-pace format, so you don't have to worry about availability for a certain date or time. There are videos and corresponding PDF downloads and extensive content that gives you close to 30 tips on how to maximize your interview opportunities, plus a module with more than 15 sources you can use to find more interviews. Get more results from being a guest on TV and radio shows and podcasts. Email me via podcast at nhte.net to ask for the coupon code to get $25 off as my thanks for your listening to this interview with Chad. Remember, that will expire December 31st, though, so act now. That will do it for episode 409. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.